Okay, I'll proceed. I'll start with a quote by William James, an American philosopher. He says, the great use of life is to spend it on something that will outlast it. Let's keep that in mind. Profound. So what am I going to talk about today? Number one, I want to talk about materialism, the cause, the consequences, and the care. And then number two, I would like to talk about the greatest investment of all time. Hint, it's not Apple. <laughs> it's not. And I'll wrap that around Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. That's what I'll build my talk around. But before we go into Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, when I was preparing for this talk, something caught my attention, and that was in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. That's the declaration of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven. The word repent caught my attention seriously. All my life as Christian, when I hear the word repent, what I think is turning around 180, you're going in the wrong direction, then you go in the other way. But when I uh, researched this word, I discovered that the Greek word, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I'll try my best to pronounce it. It means metanoheho. But the most important thing about that is to know what it means in English. It means to think differently. That was profound to me, that that's what the word repent means. That's what Jesus was talking about, to think differently. It's so strange that even Apple has to write that to be the number one company in the world. One of their slogans is think different. That's even an inferior catch. Catchphrase. Jesus was the original thinker of that. So everything we've been learning in the Sermon of the Mount, what Jesus was about is he wants us to think differently from the world. And why he's so particular about that, I noticed Steve has already been saying that, that, hey, this is not about behavior modification. It's not going to work. I need to first submit that straight away. Jesus knows that the problem is about our belief. If I can change, if it can change our belief, our behaviors will change. So what he was essentially saying in Matthew 4, 17, quickly before I go on, is he was essentially saying, think differently because the rule of God is coming soon. That's what he was saying. You need to shift your thinking from the contemporary culture of the world so that you can behave like kingdom people. So with that backdrop, and I want to move on, that we know now exactly what Jesus has in mind, why he was trying to do the Sermon on the Mount. He wants to change our thoughts about some certain things. And what he went directly to attack, he understands that the problem we have in the world is about relationship. I remember one sermon um, Tammy did some years ago about spiritual formation. The beliefs we have affect our relationship, and the beliefs we have affect our habits. It has to be driven by the Spirit. Very, very important. That's what this sermon is all about. Now, don't jump into the behavior thing. Just go on to the belief. Change your belief. And he's the one that could only do that. So in chapter 5, he introduces us to one relationship that is very important, the human relationship, 
how we need to change our thinking so that we can change our behavior with human to human. And in chapter 6, he went on to introduce us to, to think our thought, change our thought about God. That other contemporary culture, they see God as a judge. But for us, we need to shift our thinking that God is our father. Now, he now went on in chapter 6. That is where my today's sermon is now about. He warned us about two dangers that can affect our relationship with the Father. The first one, hypocrisy, seeking the praise of men. Very dangerous. When we do our religious act, it must be for the glory of God. The second thing is what I'm dealing with today, which is materialism, the selfish accumulation of earthly treasure. Massively dangerous if you fall into the trap. So I will now pick our text for today, verse by verse, because of time, I might not even be able to read it before I kick off. I'll take verse 19, Matthew chapter 6. I'll run to 19, verse 19, verse 20, and verse 21. The first verse, verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6 says, Do not accumulate for yourself treasures on earth. My first observation on that is there is an assumption in the mind of Christ that, you know what, because of the fall, you are all gatherers. You will store something. So let's forget that. That behavior is just human. We just need to do something about it. So in our lead to behavioral patterns, Jesus is a very smart teacher. Well, I should have known that. He led to behavioral patterns, one in 19 and one in 20. He gives a thumbs down to the one in 19, and it thumbs up to the one in 20. And then in verse 21, he gave us a very, very important lesson, which I'll go into later. But the one he thumbs down is, he said, please stop running after material accumulation. It's a kind of um, a bad investment. He didn't call it sin, but he just called it foolish. And you will know why as we proceed. So Jesus is warning us that he's not saying we should go and take all our savings and then, no, that's not wise stewardship. We should save for a cause. That's okay. But by the time you get obsessed about how much is my physical net worth, then it's becoming a trouble. Jesus wants us to concentrate on our spiritual net worth rather than our physical net worth. That's what it's on about. So it gives a thumbs down to accumulating um, treasures on earth for ourselves. Basically, treasures are things we accumulate because of the high value we place on them. And every one of us has something that we treasure. Every one of us. So I noticed another word he used, yourselves. That yourselves, he used it in 19 and 20. It's like, I'm telling anyone that has to follow me, this is an instruction for all of you. No exception. But I noticed in 21, it changed the tone to your. It's not yourself anymore. All the instructions is for all of you, but when it comes to the response, you're on your own. You can decide to do whatever you choose. The choice is yours. But I've already shown you what I've given a thumbs up for and what I've given a thumbs down to. So what exactly did Jesus Christ give a thumbs up for. 
But before I go into that, I actually want us to understand what are examples of the things that are treasures on earth. Money is an obvious example. Our possessions is a close second. Those are earthly treasures I'm talking about now before I go into this um, verse 20. Another thing is um, digital assets for those who are a little bit geeky because I do cryptocurrency. That too, I know when I won for one hackathon, they gave me 10 pound Bitcoin. Today, I don't really look at it, but today is now like um, 2,500, something they just gave me. Oh, interesting. Then um, social media account that qualifies too. It can be destroyed, it can be stolen, it can go out of trend. All of them, they are ultimately doomed. But Jesus suggested an alternative, and that is the treasure in heaven. Paul Villa has already made us realize that when you say treasure in heaven, the reason why um, Matthew used that choice of word is because the Hebrew don't call God by name. They don't call him Yahweh. They, they, they just, it's, it's like sacred. So that's why Matthew used the word treasure in heaven. What he intend to actually say is treasure in God. So when I was saying something like uh, the best, the greatest investment of all time, you will soon find out why I said that. So treasure in heaven is anything that we do with our possession that lasts for all eternity. So Jesus is saying in verse 20 that investment in heavenly treasure is a wise investment, not a foolish one. Because our treasure in God is eternal and 100% risk-free. 100% risk-free. Then verse 21, that's the most important thing I want us to pay very serious attention to. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number one, I want to suggest to us that Jesus is saying in clear terms, our heart will always flow in the direction of what we love or treasure. That's number one. We need to realize that. I don't even need to tell us. Number two, our, our use of our money and possession is a clear indication of our spiritual health. You need to be aware that if you want to know the level of your spirituality, Go and check your bank statement. Number three, the way we spend our money is revealed with, uh, the way we spend our money reveals what we value because our money and time always flow in the direction of our heart. And the final thing about that is this, to put this in another way, to know the treasure of a person, look at their bank statement. I always believe every cash flow tells a story. Every cash flow tells a story. I'm a big believer of that. Now, one thing is we know what is dangerous and what is good. We know the two options now. What I now need to quickly touch, what are the causes, uh, what are the causes of materialism? I just don't want to waste too much on time. Strictly speaking, point, I mean, cut to the chase, is worldliness. The need to follow the contemporary culture of the world. What does the world do? They chase money because they believe it can give them satisfaction, security, success, power, and independence. That's the reason. That's the reason why people want great networks. What I want you to keep in mind, I'm not talking about 
reasonable, sensible saving. I keep saying that. God has no problem with that. What God has problem about is something Steve said, that we use what we should love, and then we are loving the things we should use. By the time money becomes an obsession, we will start using the things that we should love. Humans, God. You can even come to church in some, you know, prosperity. You are technically using God. Now, it has consequence. Jeremiah, 2, Jeremiah chapter 2, 11 to 13 shows us exactly what Jesus has in mind. This is God the Father talking about the Israelites. He said, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, spring that is fountain of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. That is what earthly treasure is. They can't hold any water. Only God is the one that can give satisfaction and, and security. So what are the consequences of materialism? Number one, it destroys our spiritual relationship with God. Number two, it destroys our social relationships with other humans. Three, it destroys our sustainable relationship with God's creation. Now, the one that is useful to us is how do we cure this problem? Graceful giving. Giving that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. As we have been taking the journey in the Sermon on the Mount, everything Jesus has been talking about cannot be done by our own human strength. We need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to be able to pull it off. So, what is graceful giving? Number one, it has two legs. Generous giving and compassionate giving. They look the same, but they are different. Generous giving is when we first give ourselves to the Lord, as 2 Corinthians 8.15 has said. Before we can give to God, we need to first give ourselves to Him. Then number two, we could use our resources to promote justice and mercy. That's Matthew 23.23. Number four, which we can support us, which we, are, we ought to support our spiritual leaders financially, and we, we ought to be supporting kingdom missions and ministry. That's generous giving. The reason why we give generously is for one reason to appreciate the goodness of God in our life. That's the reason. Everything we have is because of His grace, He gives it to us. So that's the least we could do to show our appreciation back to him. But there's a big difference between generous giving and compassionate giving. Don't forget they are under the category of graceful giving, giving that is empowered by the Spirit. But what Jesus has in mind when he was talking about laying treasures in heaven is compassionate giving. That is the greatest investment of all time. In UK alone, we have one in five people living under poverty. I don't want to even talk about African story. Let's just leave it at home. 14 million people, that is a big market of investment. Far valuable than Apple stock. That's what Jesus is saying. I was shocked when I realized that. It's almost like I need to reevaluate my own portfolio because this is a gold mine of wealth based on Jesus' talk. Jesus wants his disciples to know that it is our moral duty to those who have too much to demonstrate voluntary compassion to those who have too little. It's not just like an, um, an, a kind of suggestion. He's seriously believing that, 2 Corinthians 8.15. That is, it is the responsibility of those who have above the median 
too much above the median to make sure they take care of those who have too much below the median. It's not just a suggestion, it's a serious mandate. It's not forcing us, it's not socializing, it's just advising us that if you want to lay treasure in heaven, that is where to go. The poor around you, they are big investment opportunity. And that is profound. That really challenged me to the marrow because I was humbled, seriously humbled. It's almost like an afterthought when you talk about taking the poor seriously. And what Jesus is saying that every other giving you are doing is a child play in terms of reward compared to actually plugging your resources to the poor. That's what compassionate giving is about. That's what Jesus is challenging us about. That if you want to lay your treasure in heaven, then look at the poor. That's, that's the challenge. It's almost like nothing else matters to him than the heart. When I, when I woke up this morning, the first thing I look at is the vineyard man. The link between the two legs, worship and compassion. It's almost like Jesus is saying to worship me is to be compassionate to the poor. Simply put, I was like broken down that, Lord, what is this? We've relegated it to the background. It's almost like we are doing them a favor. No, he's saying we are doing ourselves a favor to look in that angle. And I'll almost be rounding up by saying the model of graceful giving. How do we give? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 15. All saints must give no matter how small, as long as you are receiving. All, all saints must give purposefully, prayerfully, proportionately, cheerfully, worship, worshipfully, quietly. Quietly means no show off about it. Sacrificially and generously. And finally, I want to admonish us to give God a free reign over our life, our money, and our material possession. Because this is the only way to liberate ourselves from the tentacles of materialism. Let us always remember the poor and the needy in our giving, for this is what Jesus meant when he was advising his disciples to store up treasure in heaven. Given to the poor is more than charity. It is an act of worship. And I'll finish with this quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep for what he cannot lose. Jim Elliot. I would like to invite the band to the podium as we finish. Thank you.